announcements. I want to go to a new step. We've been talking about this principle of brokenness. And we have spent quite a bit of time on it. Uh, I want to move from the principle of brokenness. The principle of brokenness is this. Anything great that God has done or ever will do is through a broken life. Any of y'all have a question about the crack pots that we finished up with last time? The verses over there in in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it says we have this treasure in earthen vessel. I gave you seven different treasures in, in chapter 4 and 5 that God has given us. And, and they're treasures beyond compare. Treasures beyond imagination. I was in a hurry and I said what God wants is some cracked pots to hold his treasures. He has, through the grace of God, he has given us all this, all the miracles, all the knowledge, all the treasures that we have in cracked pots to carry to this lost world. He could have done it with angels. He could have done it anyway. But so the broken, the principle of brokenness. I want to go tonight uh, to some patterns of brokenness. I doubt if I'll get past the patterns. I've got the patterns of brokenness, the demonstrations of brokenness, and the explanation of brokenness. <laughs> But those, that's probably at least two sermons, maybe three. So let's look. I would like for you to look with me at John chapter 12. And we'll begin to look at these uh, patterns of brokenness. God gives several of them, and I just picked out some of them. In, in John chapter 12, verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, You ought to mark this. The hour is come. All the way through the book of John, it says, His hour had not yet come. Jesus now said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And here's how He says it. Here's the, here is the illustration of brokenness. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Verse 25, this, that's, verse 24 is one, one demonstration. Verse 25 gives us a second. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it 
unto life eternal. And so, the, so he gives this, this example of the corn of wheat. I'm not going to, I'd like to take it a little more simpler. Anybody here ever raised beans? In your garden, put your beans. You plant the beans, and when the plant comes up, what's on the on the plant? The seed. Huh? The beans. The seed. The seed. Not the seed, but the seed hull. The seed has died. The plant is the product of the seed, and. All that's left of the seed is that hull riding on the plant. You can't, you won't see that in a wheat field, but that's what has to happen. The seed, and he, the Jesus used it as an example. And so, in verse twenty-four, he's talking about what? He's talking about the cross, and the tomb, and the resurrection. The seed went in the ground and died. But the seed produced a harvest. And and we all are a part of that harvest, right? We're saved because He paid our price. We would have no life if He hadn't given His life. Y'all with me? That's what 24 says. But 25 says, if you're so, if you love your life in this world, Paul said, I die daily. Luke says over in chapter 9 that if any man will come after me, he'll have to take up his cross daily and be, cru- and be crucified daily. Or he cannot follow me. Cannot come after me. So, he's he in twenty five. He gives us the personal principle for every one of our lives. If you're loving this life, I'm not going. I I, I want to run a little short rabbit trail here. Right now in America, you know. Those seven, I've been studying the seven churches in Revelations. Those seven churches represent, you can look at them several ways. They can represent a portion of the church age or it could represent the literal churches there in that mid-Asia or it can represent uh, the people who inhabit every church everywhere in any age. And the seventh church is Laodicea. And Laodicea's problem is they think they're rich and have need of nothing. When actually they're poor and blind and naked and they must have help from but Jesus is on the outside of the church knocking and he says that if any man will hear me and open the door, then I'll come in and sup with him. 
and he with me. He, what he said was, I'm coming in to live with you every day. In your life, every day. And fellowship with you every day. In order, but he says, the problem is you're lukewarm. You think you're rich. Every church in America today thinks that very thing. Amen, Brother Wayne. Now, we may be a small crowd. We may be poor people. But if we put ourselves in perspective with the whole world, we're rich. We don't have any needs. We're happy with our life. And here's what happens on Sunday morning most of the time. I would say at least 80% of every church in America. People come in, give God a tip of an hour, and then they go back to their life and say, don't keep me past 12 o'clock, preacher. I've got other things to do. Right? That's our whole attitude about church. Paul's attitude and the attitude of New Testament Christians was you give, you, you're, you're broken from this life. And you give your life. Look at them. Look at the Pauls and the Peters and the Barnabases and, and the rest of them. They give their life wherever it takes them. Those Moravian missionaries that were on that ship where Whitfield and the, and the uh, who's the Methodist boys? Huh? Wesley. 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 Them W's. They were coming. They, they were all under persecution for preaching in those three preachers were under persecution and on, a, on a, an escape ship from England. They were coming to the prison state, Georgia, as an escape from the jailhouse in London and over there. But on the deck of that ship were those Moravian missionaries who had sold themselves as slaves and were chained to the deck. They did not have a room. They didn't get a meal. They were out in the weather. It didn't matter what the weather was. They were chained to the deck. And they were happy to do it because they had sold themselves as slaves to be missionaries wherever they could be missionaries to tell. They had given up their life. Sometime you ought to, sometime you ought to read that, that book, To the Golden Shore. It's a story of Adoniram, Adoniram Judson and his wife Anna. He met Anna two weeks or so before he was leaving on that mission trip. <coughs> and he said to her, Wow, you're something. And I'd really like to have you for my wife. But if anybody goes with me, we're going over there to that golden shore 
and we'll be there the rest of our lives and we'll never come back again. She said, you'll have to ask my dad. He went to her dad and he said, understand it if you give me Anna. You'll never see her again in this life. I'm taking her to, I'm taking, whoever goes with me is giving up their life and we're going as missionaries over there. She turned, in my mind, she turned out to be every bit as good a missionary as he was, maybe even better. She kept him alive when he, he had given up hope. She gave her life so he could be a missionary in whatever name that country is. And uh, that's where Nat Williams is pouring Bibles into right now. And guess whose Bible he's using? He uses Adoniram Judson's Bible. It's been slightly upgraded, but it's still it's still the the Bible that it took both their lives to write. We ship them out of here. We've got some out here in the container right now. They gave their life. So I I was I was not going to get off on that, but you understand the meaning of twenty five. He that loveth his life shall lose it. Name me an American that doesn't just love it in America. Name me a church where people are not satisfied with the, with the world view that they have right now. I mean, don't disturb us, preacher. I've already heard some things about... Uh, preaching too tough on Sunday mornings. And I've only preached a, just a few sermons and I did, if you think that's tough, wait till we get to some of the others. <laughs> Amen. Hey, we need to be woke up. That's right. We, we do need to be woke. What is really real, there's not a Democrat or Republican that can fix what's going on in Washington. Our nation is going down the tubes yeah. in a free fall. Yeah. And the only hope we have is that somewhere there will be a spark struck and a revival fire will break out. That's the only hope for America. Yeah. Right. Another 20 years, like the last 20 years, we'll be a third world country. We won't be even in the running anymore. It's scary. We have thrown away the blessings of God. We've thrown away the Bible. Thrown a, thrown, our, our kids are ignorant. Hey, we all went to some... Well, I don't know about y'all. I'm a lot older than some of y'all. I, but my first day of school, that teacher laid down the law. We're going to have prayer before we go eat. You, you bring a hanky so you can... We can sing our song, and you had to had to have a handkerchief so you could blow your nose, <laughs> and that was part of getting the education started right. And and every day before we went to lunch, we had she started the day with prayer, and then we had a blessing before we went to lunch. That was the first three or four years in school. That was just standard. 
And uh, if you if you didn't teach like that, you wasn't teaching in those days. And it's scary to see see what those kids go through right now. How would you like to have one of those first or second graders in Uvalde, Texas, this week that have to go back to the place that that slaughter took place? No wonder they're whimpering and whining and don't want to go to school. How would you like to go into one of these high schools that are overridden with the gangs and the perverts? And you can't say the word he or she. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. It, it, me too, brother. It makes me sick in my stomach to even think about kids being exposed to what they've been exposed to. Somebody's got to give their life, it changes. That's what I'm trying to say. What he said is, you can love this life, but you'll lose it in the end. Or you can turn your life over to me, hate hate your life in this world, and keep it through all eternity. That's twenty five. So that's that's one example. I I can't hardly wait to get to this next one. Go to Isaiah. I've learned so much on this one. It's amazing to me what God puts in His book. Isaiah chapter number 28. There's so much to say in this chapter. Last year we did the book of Isaiah in our study of the major prophets and kind of did an overview of Isaiah here on a Wednesday night. Remember, there's two sections to Isaiah. They are so different that all the critics of generations gone by said it had to be two writers who wrote that book. Those first 39 chapters are so judgmental against the sins of a nation just like ours. And then beginning in chapter 40, all the promises of all the goodness and mercy of God throughout all eternity. And hey, when you begin in chapter 40 with, with those promises, he'll take, you, he'll take you as close to the cross as Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John will take you. You maybe even a little closer. He'll show you Jesus in a way. I call Isaiah 53 the greatest chapter in the Old Testament may be the greatest chapter in the Bible but it, it can't overshadow of course the sacrifice of Christ but it, it sure puts a spotlight on it in a way that uh, that the uh, gospel writers I, I call it the gospel of Isaiah in Isaiah 53 but here we are 
In 28, we're not in the we're not in that gospel section. Hey, this will thrill you. How many chapters in Isaiah? 66. How many chapters in that in that condemnation and and uh, call to repentance? 39. How many chapters in how many books in your Bible? 66. How many books in the Old Testament? 39. Chapter 40, we start a new section. It's got 27 chapters in it. Guess what? He's going to tell us about Jesus. It's going to be promises of goodness and mercy. Amazing how the Bible is put together, isn't it? Well, we're in the judgment section here. He says, he said, uh, verse 16, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation, and he that believeth in him shall not make haste. I'm not going to talk about that stone. I want to talk about, talk about these next verses. Judgment uh, 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 judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet, and hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies, and water shall overflow the hiding place, and your covenant with death shall be disannulled, and your agreement with hell shall not stand when the overflowing scourge shall pass through then ye shall be trodden down by it. From the time that it goeth forth, it shall take you, for morning by morning shall it pass over by day and by night, and it shall be a vexation only to understand the report. That's pretty, uh, that's a mouthful right there. What he said was, the breaking is not a one-time thing. It's a continual thing until you get to a place. I'm going to, uh, sometime I'm going to get to this explanation of the brokenness. The explanation of brokenness can be summed up this way. When I get in line with His will, brokenness is over. The blessings are there. But between... I, I was just looking at a book, an old book over there in the shelves, and I, I thought I ought to read that, but I probably couldn't handle it. Some old fella wrote a book on the woodshed, going to the woodshed, the blessings of the woodshed. And uh, I hadn't heard that term of going to the woodshed in a lot of years. It was pretty common in my early days. <laughs> Oh yeah, yes sir. And so, what he's just said is, it's not going to be one breaking, it's going to be many breakings. It's going to continue to be a breaking until you get where I want you to be. He's saying that to a backslid, cold-hearted people. It's his chosen people. They represent the people of God that we say we are. He's not dealing with a lost 
people. He's dealing with his people. But he said the scourge is going to go on morning by morning and day and night until we get this thing settled. Verse 20 says, The bed's shorter than a man can stretch himself on it, and the cover narrower than he can wrap himself in it. That reminds me of a cold night in Kansas when I was on the wheat harvest and we stopped alongside the road. There was no railroad station sitting out there in the middle of nowhere and we throwed our quilts on the hard floor of that baggage area and uh, the bed was too short and the cover was too narrow that night. You can't sleep like that. Huh? Go to Mexico with me sometime. Let's talk in the yeah. time. <laughs> For the Lord shall rise up, verse 21, as in Mount Perizim. He, he shall be wroth as in the valley of Gibeon, that he may do his work, his strange work, and bring to pass. He said, now look at verse 22. Here's where it really starts. Now therefore, be ye not mockers, lest your bands be made strong. Who was that talking about the preacher that they said was dead and was going to sell body parts? That, that wife said, he's not dead. You, can, you can't have his body part. She, they came for her to sign him off. She said, you can't have his body parts. He's not dead. The doctor said, oh yeah, he's dead. Just sign the paper. Well, he's still alive today. The mocker said, we need to sell his body parts. That was the objective. He said, he said don't be a mocker because you're going to regret it. For I've heard from the Lord of hosts a consumption even determined on the whole earth. Give ye ear, hear my voice, hearken and hear my speech. Now here he begins. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods? You ought to underline that, break the clods of his ground. There's some heart. Is there a hard spot in your, in in the in his ground in your heart? Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember breaking out new ground up there in Oklahoma. Uh, they put me out there on a on a pasture, and told me that they wanted to plow it twice, and then harrow it, and see if they could make a field out of it. There was cow trails went off out across. Y'all ever go after the cows? Cows walk the same trail every time they walk across that pasture. And there's there's places in Kansas where those buffalo, which were a type of cattle, those buffalo where those buffalo travel those trails that they've plowed for a hundred years and they still don't have the hard spots out of the ground. The trail is still there. I plowed two times and then put the harrow on 
you could still see the cow trails in that field. Mm -hmm. Could I say this this way? We've got sin trails in our lives. Yep. We've got our little hidden trails where that w some of us got eight lane freeways running down through our lives where the devil has run time after time after time. And what God said is, I'm going to plow till there's no more trails. I'm going to break every clod in that hard spot in my ground of your heart. That's what he's talking about. Look here. When he hath made plain the face of, when he's got it plowed, see, the, I wasn't plowing two times. You imagine the fuel it took to plow that pasture two times and then hair it down. I wasn't doing that for nothing. That farmer had the idea that he was going to plant something out there. But the ground had to be prepared before he could plant. So God said, you're my, in my ground. I'm going to break every clod. There's got to be a breaking until I can plant. Look here now. This is amazing to me. And, whether he had, and when he had made plain the face thereof, that is the, the, his ground, doth he not cast abroad the fitches? Fitches is a, they call it black cumin. It's a type of seed that they use for spices uh, in their food. And scatter the cumin. Cumin is another spice. Little tiny seeds there are. And cast the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place. What he said was, he's got, he's got those, little, those little spice seeds he throws out. I mean, you know, once in a while you're just reading through your Bible, all of a sudden he puts a spice seed right in your heart. Huh? You had one lately? We've, we, was try, we was trying to talk about this upcoming mission conference I've, I've let it go way too long should have been planned three months ago but I thought we was going to have a head man here to, to plan the mission conference so we was talking about it a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, I already knew my verse we're going to use Acts 1-8 but, but he just put a spice seed in my heart and from somewhere it come unto every nation. Yeah. And it I, that still sounds sweet to me. And the more we talk about it, the better it gets. Do you know what a privilege it is to be in a church yeah. where 67 or 8 missionaries are going all over the world with the gospel? Yeah. Where we've got those containers out there with Bibles that that are going to places that can't get Bibles and what a, what a blessing it is to reach into every nation instead of sitting on our stool of do nothing. Yeah. Well, so he says, he says there's a varieties of seeds. I, I mentioned that wheat harvest. You don't know what hard is till you deal with barley. Wheat is nothing compared to barley. 
wheat's, wheat's pretty pleasant, isn't it? Yeah. But you get down to the barley, you're going to find you, you'll be itching all over. You can't crack the hull off the barley. The seed won't come clean. So, so he said that everything from fitches, that little black cumin, and the cumin, those little tiny seeds that, that people put in a pepper shaker or something, and, uh, and then you got the wheat, the barley, the rye. Hey, look at us. We're not all the same people. We don't have all the same problems. We do not have all the same habits. We don't have all the same education. We don't have all the same background. But God gathered us up and called us His ground. And when He's got through plowing, He's going to do some planting in our hearts that will, will require the ground to be right if it produces fruit. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're up there in, somewhere in the north in, 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 the, in the grain fields, somebody's going to have to eat. Some, and if all, you're raise, all you can raise is barley, that's what you raise. But somehow you've got to learn to manage your barley and make something edible out of it. You understand? You've got to make a living. Look at this. Here's, here's the, He said there's all kinds of seeds and the, and the farmer has to deal with all those seeds. We've got all kinds of things that we've got to deal with in our own hearts. There's all kinds of problems we face. There's all kinds of lures the devil flings at us to try to draw us back into the world. There's all, all, uh, and we've got to deal with all that. And in order to do that, God has to do a work in our heart. So how does he do it? Look at 26. This is a great verse. For his God doth instruct him to discretion. You could replace that word discretion there with blessing. For his God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. For the fitches are not threshed with the threshing instruments, neither the cartwheel turned upon the cumin. But the fishes are beaten out with a staff and the cumin with a rod. What he said is, there's all kinds of seeds and there's all kinds of breakings. See, if before that wheat can be, before you make bread out of wheat, you've got to bust the hull off of it. And there's a way to do that. If you're busting the hull off of barley, it's a whole lot harder. You've got to do it with something else. Or if you were dealing with if you're dealing with the little coriander seeds or the cumin, or it doesn't take much of anything. I mean, you probably whip it with a wet noodle and and get the. You understand? And every one of us have got a different problem, but our God knows how to teach us discretion to deal with our problem. Isn't that a tremendous statement? 
I've never found that. I've never heard that in all of my study and preaching, but He gave me that this week. There's all kinds of seeds. I've got a whole, I've got a whole mixed bag of them myself. I've tried this, that, and the other. I know what it is to have hard spots in the, in the ground. And I know what it takes to get it out. There's got to be a brokenness. He said in bread corn, <clears throat> and bread corn is bruised. I presume he's talking about making cornbread, don't y'all? <laughs> you, look at here. Those old, uh, they advertise that corn that has, I think it's 13 rows on an ear. One seed produces 700 seeds on an ear. That prize corn. You're not going to throw that under the cart and let the donkeys walk on it to break it. You don't have to do that. That corn, when you just, you know, you can use it easy. It'll make cow, I mean, it's easy to get get it off of the cob. You understand what I'm saying? And it's too valuable to waste it if you're living on cornbread. My grandma who knew, knew how to do it, she could she could hull it and shell it and grind it and make it. And yours did too. And he said he said you'll never throw it under the cartwheel. And the and the cumin does and the fitches, they're beaten out with staff and rod. I can remember my granddad taking dried black-eyed peas and putting them in a toast sack and put me up on the barn and, and we would beat that toast sack with a broomstick until you, to a fair you well. And then he would put me up on the barn and I would pour, I would pour the peas out over the side of the barn into a tub and the wind would blow the shaft away and the peas fell in the tub and then they would plant the fields. That's what he's talking about. See, in that, in that dry hull, that seed does you no good. You can't use it. It'll never grow anything until it's, the rod has been taken to it. And that's what he's saying about our lives, our hearts. <clears throat> he says, there is a variety of seed, and there is the, the, and you can depend on the mercies of God to, to apply the right pressure on, on whatever seed you're dealing with. I've got to get through here. He said, this all, look at 29. This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel. But it's not all counsel. It's not all teaching. It's excellent in working. 
And after the breaking, it's time to go to work. After the breaking, it's time to plant the seed. I wish I could finish, but I can't. The harvest, we're not interested in thrashing the grain, are we? That's not the objective. The objective of thrashing the grain is to produce the next harvest and to feed the feed the flocks and to feed the uh, that it's the fruit so here we see it we're saved we have brought ground in our hearts to the lord we've got cow trails and devil trails all through our soul and he's going to have to thrash it out if we ever become fruit producers. And he'll use whatever means he has to to do it. Susie and I have got a granddaughter down in Austin that we've prayed, we've prayed every day for for three years. I can't tell you that anything's better than it ever was before. But I do know this. That whatever, if she is his, and I think she is, whatever it takes to thrash out the grain, he'll do it. And I'm just asking him to do it. You can coddle if you want to. You'll never fix the problem. We can pat ourselves. I'm pretty good. I'm just about good as old so-and-so and... I've got talents and I can do stuff and I know stuff and I can carry a Bible and but until the threshing's over until the grain has been produced that will produce fruit God's not through. He said that scourge is coming morning after morning night and day until we get it settled. There has to be a breaking. When the breaking's over, then we'll wear a crown. Amen. Right? Well, I got one more spot, but I'm not going to tell you about it right now. We'll go there next time. I really thought I was going a lot further than this. Isaiah got real to me this week. Amen. It's exactly where I've been and where, where we are. That's a tremendous passage. And I don't know how I've missed it all these years. I've read that 50 times at least. I know. But I never got it before. It's a very appropriate passage for our church and every church in America in these days. God's going to have to do something to bring his people back to himself if we ever have revival. And if we don't have revival, we're, we're done for as churches and as a nation. We've got to have an uprising of the work of God in America. We've got to have it. 
and, and it can't start on the halls of Congress. It's got to start right here Amen. in local churches Amen. across America. So, pray about it a little bit. It's amazing what God will show us when, we, when you get to praying about it. And let's pray. Father, I just pray you've had your will here tonight. I know we went over time. I ask you, Lord, that you'd uh, just take charge of us. Help us to honor you, love you, and serve you. Be with all these prayer requests. Be with our people. Be with those families that are grieving and hurting. Be with uh, those scattered far from us that uh, uh, that we'll, uh, we need to pray for. Our missionaries and those that are struggling to try to get plant, seed planted. Lord, we just ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.